We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Today's episode of the Bronx Pinstripe Show is brought to you by the Bronx Brewery and their Bronx Banner Ale. This Golden Easy Ale is our go-to beer for all Yankee games. It's available in the stadium in over six sections, a number of the bars near the stadium, and it's definitely on tap at their South Bronx Tasting Room, which is just a quick walk from the Cypress Ave 6 train. You know we're serving it this Saturday at Billy's pregame. If you are there, you will enjoy a delicious Bronx Banner Ale before we go in to see the Yankees take on the Orioles. If not, you'll be missing out, but make sure you go to their website, thebronxbrewery.com slash find and find out where they're selling it near you. Let's get into the show. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 145. Coming up later in this episode, I talk to Chad Jennings, who's now covering the Red Sox. He traded side, Scott. He used to cover the Yankees. That's where most people probably know him from, but we talked Yankees-Red Sox later in the show. Uh, two days away, as people are listening to this, for uh, the event against Baltimore and at Billy's. We'll be drinking the Bronx Banner Ale. You, you pumped up? I am pumped up. I'm ready to go. We have uh, all the t-shirts. I have all the t-shirts with me now, finally. They look phenomenal. They look really good. And uh, they're super, super comfortable. Um, the tickets are, are folding out. If you have not gotten your ticket yet via email, just be patient with me, please. They're coming in waves. It takes a very long time to get these sent. 
way longer than I expected. Um, so they're coming. They, they will all be finished uh, by tomorrow at, at the very latest. So everybody will have them electronically. And then worst case scenario, I will also have some physical tickets uh, on site with me. And um, so we'll, we'll figure all that out, especially even if you're having issues with the application. I know I have gotten a couple emails about that too. So um, yeah, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? I'm, I feel like there's been a lot of anticipation. We've been talking about it for two months. Let's do it. I think it's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun. And we're getting Severino, right, on, on Saturday. Yes. So. Thank God it's Severino and not Tanaka. Yeah, I would have had to move our seats. I don't think I could have sat next to you if we did Tanaka <laughs> start. I think it would have... Uh, it well, have... we would have been in prime prime home run territory almost. That's true. So. That is true, yeah. Uh, guys, take a minute to rate and review this podcast in iTunes or, or wherever it is that you listen. As we've been saying, it helps us out a ton. It allows us to create more shows, create better shows, get more people on the podcast, and just create an overall better experience for you guys. So take a minute, go give us a five-star review and a rating. Also, call the voicemail line, 646-480-0342. We'll be lighting that up after on Monday's show at the end of that show. So again, call up, rant about whatever you want, 646-480-0342. So, Scott, Yankees are 1-1 in this series uh, against the Red Sox so far. We're recording Wednesday after the game. It was the same old shit for Tanaka. Yeah, un- unfortunately, it was uh, a different day. The same same start that we've seen, especially the uh, the last two, including this last one. It was uh, it's just dude serving up the home run ball. He's leaving balls over the plate. He's uh, he's just, uh, uh, you know, I don't think anybody at this point knows what's wrong with him. I mean, you listen to the press conferences afterwards. Girardi has no idea what's wrong with him. They're still saying he's healthy. They're still saying that it's something going on with the way he's throwing, and they just they don't know why. Um, and when you listen to, you watch his postgame interviews, the dude looks baffled as well. So I don't know what the hell is happening. So for two, maybe even three episodes at this point, we've been trying to figure out why Tanaka has been struggling so far. Let's try and take a different angle at this and, and, and just call it what it is. Tanaka stinks right now, yep. and if he continues to stink and the Yankees continue to run him out there, they're not going to make the playoffs. Wow. Yeah, and I think that's a that's you know, I think when people originally in the season, the beginning of the year, if uh, the prognosticators or whoever is actually predicting what happens in, in baseball, if you're looking at this Yankees team, I think a lot of people said they had an opportunity to make a, to make a run at a wild card or, or you know potentially make a run. But a lot of things had to go right. And the one thing that had to go right, absolutely, was that their number one starter, Tanaka, had to carry the rotation. And obviously that's not happening. When you look up and down the rotation, the one thing I will say is that you're seeing a lot more contribution from other areas, which is why they are where they are right now because um they're you know they're obviously if you look at Tanaka you you never would have think you would never think that this team would be in first place right now so it's um I would have said it's impossible yeah. I mean Tanaka Tanaka had a, has had two maybe three good starts this season uh the Yankees have struggled as we've said since early May after they swept the Cubs at Wrigley and won that first game against Cincinnati which was Tanaka's start the Yankees are 12 and 14. That's 26 games. That's a month worth of games. And the Yankees are a couple games under 500. Also, over that time, they're 1 and 5 in games that Tanaka has started, and he's got a 9 ERA. So we know he's been terrible. Every metric that I can find says he's been terrible. I mean, he's serving up home runs on a silver platter. He gave up three more against the Red Sox, 17 already this season, and it's early June. He gave up 22 all of last year. You know, one thing that's that's been crossing my mind as well is 
is that, you know, they started tinkering with all these mechanics and like moving around to the side of the, the rubber and all this other crap. It just seems like it's getting more into his head. He's, he's, when you're looking out there watching him pitch, I mean, you see a different look on his face, like the gears are just going the whole time almost. I, I don't know, you know, obviously he knows he's terrible. And if he doesn't know why things are going bad, if there really is no injury, if there's just, you know, this is just a out of the blue, complete change of, of, of the way that he pitches, then he's got to be as confused as everybody else. And he's obviously pressing too hard. So I, I, the tinkering back and forth, I mean, who's to say it's, 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 it definitely hasn't helped, but if it's, if it's hurting him even more and throwing him into a, a you know, a bigger spiral. It's just a lot of different every, things that he's never done before. Every now and again, an athlete will just look absolutely lost. And that's what Tanaka looks like right now. Yeah. He, he, he's trying a million different things. Yeah. Like you said, he keeps tinkering. Nothing is working. He does not know where the ball is going to go out of his hand. And it's usually spinning in the middle of the plate. Yeah, it's like my golf swing. It's like, uh, okay, I'm good. I, all I got to do, all I got to do is keep a firm left leg. Firm left leg through <laughs> And then all of a sudden my hands fly open or, right. you know what I mean? There's like 80 different things that I'm thinking so hard that, that nothing actually happens because I'm thinking too hard. And uh, that's, I mean, it happens to be in golf every single time I play. So I can only imagine when a professional athlete who is also a perfectionist like Tanaka is, is trying to make these corrections and then something else is happening and he's, and, you know, just leaves a ball over the plate because he's focusing on the wrong things and, and stop thinking like that's, I don't know how you do that when you're struggling that bad. Like to to just let it all go and just just to just to pitch. I don't know how that happens, but I feel like well, that's what some, he needs. I think the Yankees would could really help him out if they skip a start or two of his. And they've already announced that he's making his next start against Baltimore on Sunday. But don't you think he just needs a mental break? Just just not a DL. You don't have to put him on the DL. Just call up somebody. Maybe Chance Adams. Maybe not Chance Adams. Put Chad Green in there for a start or whatever. Just give Tanaka a mental break and let him try and. Figure it out, not on the mound in front of 50,000 people giving up home runs. Yeah, that's the, because the, the, if you look at the situation, his, what, start is on Sunday versus Baltimore at uh, at Yankee Stadium. If you were to skip a start, he's in Oakland and away from everything. And when, you, when you're looking at the two different scenarios, I mean, it seems like there's a lot less pressure, obviously, on the West Coast than if you're going to be at home under the amount of pressure that you know you have to perform. Uh, in New York, especially against the Orioles. So, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think, you know, at some point, this guy needs some mental health days. He needs some some uh, some support with what's going on in his head because it's not working. You seemed a little surprised when I said if Tanaka does not turn it around, the Yankees will not be in the playoffs. Well, I think I was surprised because, you know, I think a lot of – because, you know, he is the – he seems like a linchpin in that, in that um, rotation, especially early on. But I'm just seeing so many other guys pitch better that uh, granted, I think that they need him to, I don't think it's a, it's a definite that they don't, um, that he needs to completely go around, but I'm just, I'm just looking at the Yankees last month of baseball and they're under 500 and Tanaka has been terrible in that, that span. I've loved what the Yankees have gotten out of all of the other starters and CC pitched great again on Wednesday night, but CC Severino, Pineda, Montgomery, and whoever else they might call up to start. Those are all question marks. The one guy we didn't think was a question mark is their worst pitcher. Maybe the worst pitcher in baseball this season. Yeah. No, I, I I agree with you. I do. I mean, they need him to be healthy. They need him to be healthy. For this team to do anything, 
the uh, you know their number one pitcher has to be a guy that goes out there and you have confidence in, and he is the furthest from that right now. It's gonna be a it's gonna suck the life out of this team if he if he does not turn it around, and especially if he keeps going out there and getting crushed. Well, it's because, only gonna last so long. I mean, they're not gonna do it forever. Well, <laughs> I yeah, it's not gonna be August thirtieth, and he's still going out right. there giving up seven home runs. But I mean, they've there's no end in sight at this point. Yeah, I guess I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going taking it as far as it's going to suck the life out of the team because to me, there's. Well, a, I think it does. I think it has a residual effect, and not only on the bullpen on Daisy starts, but eventually, I mean, it's gonna. It could be demoralizing because this. It's not like he is a fifth starter that they're just calling up, and then you can just throw him to the side. I mean, this is supposed to be their number one pitcher. No, I agree, and I, I think at some point, like you said, it's not going to go into August. So at some point you know, something's going to happen. And that's why I don't believe it's going to affect the team in the long run as far as their mental state and, and being demoralized because I don't think it's going to go that far. Uh, although I, I got to tell you, I mean, you look at the, you look at everything. I don't agree with Pedro Martinez in the sense that he's got nothing and this is it. Like, I mean, that's, I think that's a little far. Pedro likes to talk. He does like to talk, even though it's, it's half the stuff that comes out of his mouth is ridiculous. But the, um, you know, I, I, I do believe he's going to turn it around. And do I believe he's going to be the, the same guy? You know, I think we're going to see flat. There's going to be flashes of the same Tanaka like we saw in Boston. Uh, but I don't know, man. You just look at the track record and you're seeing that every, you know, they're saying he's healthy. He says he's healthy. If he's healthy, there's no reason for him not to be. And that's to me just a mental weird thing that's happening right now. And, uh, and you know, I don't know. I just got to, I got to default to the fact that he's going to eventually turn it around. I have no idea when that is. Behind closed doors, how panicked do you think Cashman, Girardi, Rothschild, the rest of the coaching staff is? One to ten. Yeah, I'd say it's like an eight right now because there's no real information on why. Honestly, if it was an injury, at least you'd know why, right? There I know, would be, it there almost would be, make you feel better. Yeah, there would be a reason for it. Or if, you know, there's just nothing to put your finger on. And I think that's the most frustrating thing when you're seeing your guy go out there. He can't give you any information on why it's happening. There's no physical injury that anybody's seeing. So there's no explanation. <laughs> and for Larry Rothschild, it's got to be just driving him insane. It was, uh, he gave up two singles. It was first and third in the first inning before roll call was even done. He did give up a run, yeah. but he settled in. He retired nine in a row, and you're thinking, okay, maybe he's turned a corner. But then, home run derby. Yep. No, you're right. I thought he turned the corner. And even that first that first uh, inning run, I mean, that ball, Didi was shifting up the middle. I think there was a runner on, right? It was a ground. It was a it was a double play ball that was hit right at Didi, but Didi was out of position. I think maybe the guy was running, whoever it was. Anyway, it was a it was a ground ball um, that extended the inning. So I, I think he could have been out of that first inning without anything as well. But yeah, that's I thought it was definitely the the start of the new Tanaka year you know it was the it was the new year of Tanaka after you know uh, uh, he just needed another start against Boston because apparently that's when he shines and then nope it was it was bad it got ugly quick yeah. Chad Green came in though and looked great so like I said earlier why not give him a start three three and a third innings five K's no runs yeah, I, I don't know how stretched out he is at this point, though. I mean, you could go five innings maybe, uh, but I know Girardi is hesitant to give the a bullpen day because it, you know, of the residual effect that it does against. T- That's t- essentially team. what happens every time Tanaka pitches. It's it's solid point. <laughs> yes. and, but but eventually you keep doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, that's the definition of insanity, right? Is that is that how the saying goes? Yes, but that's, eventually but, you need to try something different, right? 
and uh, the extra rest is going to be a thing. Although if you go if you go look at the uh, baseball reference page as well for Tanaka and you look at the extra days rest over his career, it's actually not that big of a difference. It's um, it, it was it was actually pretty stunning to me and how 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 close it was five and six days rest for for Tanaka. But you know, I, I think at this point it's not just his physical body; it's his mental. It's his mental state. Yeah. You gotta it's you gotta give this guy a, a rest. And, and let him breathe a little bit and just come back and try to start over. Green gave them a chance to come back in that game, and the Yankees had a lot of chances against Drew Pomeranz, who threw, this was, Nathan Ovaldi would be very proud, 123 pitches in five innings. I mean, that is special. <laughs> well, Ovaldi wouldn't have gotten to 123. He would have been yanked before he would have been able to get that feat. 101. I don't think Girardi let him go over 101 many times. It was so weird because they were talking about uh, Michael K kept saying something. Uh, uh, he kept saying that they're tr- they're just leaving him in there to get the win. I'm like, that's ridiculous. If that's actually a reason, it was a close game. I mean, it was. It was but who five, gives a four, shit? Five, yeah. But I'm saying, like, who? Yeah, who cares at that point? Like, who about the win? I I, I guarantee that's not on the on the mind of uh, of Farrell at all. Well, you know. Pomerantz and Farrell had a blowout argument uh, a couple weeks back. What was it about? About being taken out of the game. Oh, okay. So he's like, okay, now I'm going to leave you into 130 <laughs> pitches. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm, your, your arm's going to fall off. How, how you, do you like it now? How do you feel now, buddy? Yeah. Well, good for him. You know, he did it, and uh, and he got the win, so I guess it worked. Uh, uh, Headley left a bunch of runners on base, which is nothing new. This game, I think a lot of people had a little meltdown I saw on Twitter between Headley and Carter. And ironically, Carter had a great game on Wednesday. Um, I I tweeted after the game, don't let Headley and Carter's terrible night deter you from the fact that Tanaka was struggling. But we have to talk about that Chris Carter at bat in the eighth inning off Craig Kimbrell, which, and I'm not exaggerating, May have been the worst swing attempt at hitting a baseball I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> That's because he decided to swing before the ball left his hand. Yeah, and the ball almost hit him. Yeah, and his eyes were closed. Yeah, well, I think his eyes are closed every single time he swings. So I don't think that ball was new. in the mitt. The ball was in the mitt when he was swinging, and it was. It, I, I tweeted out a picture of game day pitch tracker. The ball was in the the little icon of the batter. That's how far up and in the pitch was. Yeah. I, I, I will give you this though. I will give uh credit to Kimbrell. The ball was moving all over the damn place. That thing He's was nasty. dancing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he struck out five batters and got four out. Did you, did you see the, the gift that I tweeted a few days ago when Carter broke his bat <laughs> and, uh, yes. and the helmet Blew was just up. like, he just looked like a buffoon, <laughs> like a complete like idiot. Bartolo. Yeah. Looked like Bartolo. It was so terrible looking. So I don't think he actually, has his eyes on the ball when it hits his bat or when it hits his glove. I think he just plays baseball blind. It's the first first <laughs> well, in history. Go to any little league park around the country. You'll see kids gripping it and ripping it with their eyes shut. But this is Major League Baseball. Yeah. Again, we come back to how the hell is he in the Major Leagues? I don't know. Well, he sang a different tune tonight. <laughs> he was, of course, uh, he right? was Bo Jackson tonight. He was all over the place. He's of Stephen Drew, dude. Chris That's what's happening. You know that, right? Stephen Drew, every time he was like this close to getting sent away, or at least we thought he would hit a home run. And they were like, son of a bitch. Now he's going to be in the lineup for the next two weeks because Girardi's going to point back to this home run, hit the ball hard, and we're going to have to look at him. And Ruff Snyder's going to be buried in the minor leagues. 
Now that well, is exactly what is happening what? with Tyler Austin. I I know you're not you love Ref Snyder. I don't really give a crap with Ref Snyder at first base anymore. I'm counting down the days be, before Bird and Austin are back at first oh, yeah. base at this point. No, I mean, and and unlike Stephen Drew, where they had only Ref Snyder waiting behind him for the position. As soon as Greg Bird is healthy again, he's getting the start at first base, and Chris Carter hopefully will be DFA'd. Even though until Austin proves he's fully healthy, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, they're also going to want to give Austin more at bats too, where, where, rather than just sitting sitting back. I think he's going to be later in the season. I do have a feeling that it's a similar situation though to Stephen Drew in the sense that they're going to keep Carter because of this 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 hot streak he's had for one game, and then a, a weird lazy swing that, that I can't believe the ball went out of the ballpark into left field on uh on Tuesday night but yeah I just I don't know I feel like these little stints are going to keep him around for a while and it's going to drive us mad it's uh that was a winnable game though on Tuesday despite the fact that they the Yankees had no business really winning that game a couple of situational hittings a couple fly balls either from Headley or I think uh, Didi left a runner on base early in the game and it's a it's a tie game in the ninth inning and we've talked about this a million times the Yankees relied a lot on the home run, which they did on Wednesday, and it was great. They won eight to nothing. But when you don't hit the home runs and you leave a bunch of runners on base, it sucks. It, it sucks because you, the offense sometimes feels helpless. Well, you're seeing it a lot more now because you're 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 having guys that are not off to the scorched earth start that they had in the beginning of the season. Whereas before, we talked about. The home run ball was important to the team, but they were winning games when the ball was not going out of the ballpark because we had so many guys that were hitting for such a high average that there were a lot of guys on base and and you know playing not small ball, but going station to station and driving runs in. They were hitting gaps. And you're seeing batting averages dip now because guys are, are coming back down to, to earth. And now it seems like the long ball is becoming even more prevalent in the way that they score runs. So yeah, you're definitely seeing it, I think, with the eye even more now and how it affects the offense and the team in general. One more thing from Tuesday night. Uh, apparently, Joe Kelly can throw 103 miles an hour. Yeah, well, I always knew he could throw hard. I mean, he's always up there with uh, with Chapman on how on, uh, on like the hardest no, throwers. I mean, yeah, that's ridiculous. I know the guns with the new Statcast thing are, are slightly hot this year, but that's insane. Yeah, uh, he does throw hard. He, he the dude lets it go. He's a little scrawny guy too. I mean, he's just. Yeah, it's pretty crazy how you can whip that whip his little, his uh, those arms around and and get that much torque. It's pretty insane. CC looked pretty damn good on Wednesday. Fifth start in a row that he's looked pretty damn good. How about this stat? Since that blow up inning against the Reds on May 9th, he's only given up three earned runs. That was a month ago, dude. We're talking about CC Sabathia as a potential All Star game pitcher. Eight, eight, oh, well. oh, oh, you you laugh, yeah. you laugh. I laugh. What is he? I do laugh. What is he? That. Eight and two, eight and two with a, a under a sub four ERA. What is it like three six now? It's probably around there. Uh, that's that that looks pretty good to me. I'm telling you, Francona he, will have to select him. He throws um and he will. You know he likes his vets. He'll get a guy in there. He'll it'll be a it'll be a nice little uh, a nice little thank you to CC Sabathia on such a great career. They always do that stuff in baseball, especially. You know, he's, he's got a couple done. more starts. He's going to have, what, three more starts maybe? Four more starts? So this is, uh, we, uh, this is possible. How much, do we, how much do we credit him taking the knee brace off like Forrest Gump? We don't because he put it back on. It came I off. Did, I did. It came it, off and then what? he put it back on. The next inning he had it on again. Okay, I, didn't, I must have missed that. Yeah, no, it flew off like Forrest Gump and I thought his knee was yeah. going to explode 
I'm like, yeah. oh, this is the end of CeCe Sabathia. His robotic well, knee is gone. That's why he didn't go cover the bag. He never covers the covers the bag, yeah. but that's why he especially didn't go cover the bag right after that. Yeah, I mean, there was no way he was covering the bag. <laughs> Chris Carter should have known that and stayed home and and uh, and didn't. But you know, that's something that you got to learn, I guess, when you play with a guy that doesn't do things they're supposed to do. It starts like this though from CC that are saving the fact that the Yankees are getting nothing from Tanaka. This is exactly what why they have to have it. They have to have this stuff. CC knows that. And there was a. Um, you know, he's been pitching better. Girardi was talking about how uh, when after the he's almost turning into Andy Pettit again. I mean, the comparisons are, are, are hilarious at this point because of the late career stuff. But after a Yankee loss, CC is coming in and, and shutting it down again and writing the ship a la Andy Pettit. I mean, Andy Pettit was the stopper. He always was. And looks like CeCe's trying to do the same thing. He's still got that big game mentality, despite the fact he doesn't have that big game arm. Yeah, I mean, the competitive never went away. The, the, the way he competes never went away. That's always something that CC will have that until the day he retires. And, you know, he probably has that on the pickup basketball court off the field. Like, that's, he's just a competitive dude, and he wants to go out there and, and win games and, and do his best. So, I'm, look, I'm so happy to see him do well because he's a guy that, that I've always liked as a Yankee. And, um, you know, after the whole alcohol bout, I wanted to see him come back and do well. And uh, it really does look like he's uh, he's turned a corner until he doesn't, and then you know wings off a couple of bad starts. But right now he's he's uh, he's he's doing well, so I'm I'm happy for the dude. We've seen him turn a corner and then not turn a corner a lot now. Where I think maybe if he does struggle for a couple starts, we can at least hold out hope that he's going to get back to this good CC again. Well, it does seem like he can make these adjustments, and you know it's uh he's he's made massive adjustments to. That little uh, that little three to four start stint when he was just you know struggling to get out of the second and third inning. Would you say this is the um, since the second inning in uh, yeah Cincinnati? that inning he, when he gave up five runs. Yeah. Since then he's only given up three earned runs, and I think one of them was in that Reds game. Yeah. So there, uh, that's that's impressive for a dude of uh, of, of his age. That's pitching in a, a completely different. Aren't capacity. you guys the same age now? Yeah, but I don't pitch. pitch. I would say the same thing about me. <laughs> Uh, did uh, a lot of people wish you happy birthday, by the way? Yeah, I got some birthday wishes. There you go. Uh, one thing I am also happy about is that the Yankees hit Rick Porcello. Because I, he's a fraud? I know he's not a Cy Young pitcher. That is that is going to be one of the biggest jokes of a Cy Young award winner when you look back and say, wait, Rick Porcello won a Cy Young? Yeah. yeah is he the flukiest a- Cy Young winner of all-time history? I'd have to go back and look at it, yeah. but he's, he's, he's got to be, be up, up there, there right? Got to be up there. You look at every other season; his ERA is in the mid fours. He is a four ERA guy. There's that's what yes. he is. I don't know how in God's green earth, especially at Fenway Park, how he how he did that. I have no idea. The stars aligned, I guess. Yeah. But uh, David Price versus Michael Pineda on Thursday. It'd be nice to get this series win because like the Red Sox are playing hot right now, and the Yankees are not, and. The Red Sox could have overtaken the Yankees if with a sweep uh, of first place coming into this week. Yeah, and it's you know rubber match, nice little uh, nice little outing for for Pineda to come out and and pitch well at home. We can rough up Price and send him back on his way after what do you have two good starts since he's been reactivated. The Blue Jays lost I think two of three to to Oakland, so there's you know there's some space starting to to form in the AL East too, and with with the Orioles coming up. Uh, this weekend, I think it could be a nice little swing for the Yankees. 
All right, guys, before we get into the interview with Chad Jennings, I want to talk to you about the Bronx Brewery's Golden Easy Ale. We've been telling you about it for a couple weeks now. It's now at Yankee Stadium. You can find it in the bleachers. Scott, what sections are is it in? If you go to the bleachers, is it the Master Pass, Batter's Eye, and it's also behind Section 203 where they do roll call. Not, not to mention before and after the game, you can go to their South Bronx Tasting Room, which is just a quick walk from the Cypress Ave 6 train. it's uh, We're, we're going to be, again, talking about this all the time. We're going to be drinking it at Billy's during the pregame. If you can't make it to the game, go to Bronx Brewery, thebronxbrewery.com slash find, select Bronx Banner in the dropdown, enter your zip code, and you'll get a list of the closest bars and stores that sell Bronx Banner Ale. You know how it's a good beer? Because when I was home a couple weekends ago, my dad asked if I had any more of it. And my dad is a guy who drinks two beers in in, in life. It's Peroni and Corona. So the wow. fact that he also was looking for the Golden Easy Ale, that tells you it's good. It's not a lie. It's, you know, we this is this is this is no joke here. I mean, this is a beer that I absolutely enjoy. It's, it is a perfect summer beer. So as Scott said, go to thebronxbrewery.com slash find, enter your zip code, and you can find out where you can purchase it. All right, let's get into this interview. Now joining us on the podcast is Chad Jennings. He writes for the Boston Herald covering the Red Sox, but a lot of you guys know him because he covered the Yankees for many years. Chad, what's up? Nothing. I'm, yeah, back in New York. It's a, uh, it's a very different experience. You hear play, I've heard players talk about this for so long about going into the other clubhouse, but uh, <laughs> I'm starting to experience it on, uh, in, in my own little small way. What was it like changing sides? Uh, you know, it was, I guess the job is the job, you know? I mean, right. it's, you know, my, my wife and I moved to Boston largely because we were having a baby and her family's from Boston. My sister lives outside of Boston. Um, so it was just kind of, you know, real life stuff, really, you know, um, it just made more sense to be there. And then uh, a few things happened. And, and the next thing you know, I'm covering the Red Sox for the Herald. Uh, so it, it's, it's been a, it's kind of hard for me to quantify it. You know, it's, it's, it's such a time when so many things changed in my life with the, with my baby being born and, and the move and all that, uh, that, you know, you might as well switch teams, get a new job, all that stuff. <laughs> you know, it was just yeah. everything was changing anyway. So this was just kind of part of it. Well, it's pretty cool that you're, you've covered now two of the most popular teams in the league. Not many people can say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not bad for a farm kid from Missouri who I never thought I'd live out East anyway. and might as well come out here and watch the Red Sox and Yankees play a lot. Um, you know, I mean, look, I, you don't want to minimize it because I think it sounds dismissive to say, oh, it's just a job. But, you know, to some extent it is. I mean, it's, it's just kind of the job that I do. It is, I will say, really fun, you know, when the Yankees were in Boston and then being here this week. You know, it's, it's fun to go over. I like going over to the Yankees clubhouse. And, you know, I've, I've known Brett Gardner for 10 years. You know, I covered him in Scranton when I was there. It's, it's fun to see him, you know, and, and talk to some of these guys that, you know, I Aaron Judge is, I think, one of the nicest kids that I've met in, in all this time talking to young guys coming up. And, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy that he's playing well. I mean, I really am. I, I, I get excited to see, you know, that he's that he's doing so well because I, I feel like he's a kid who's, who's done it the right way and, and deserves this kind of thing. I, I'm, I'm glad to see Severino pitching well again. I, I, I like that CC has stayed with what he was doing last year, you know. You don't necessarily root for the team or root for the players, but there are good guys around that I've gotten to know over the years, and it's been—it's just nice to see them doing well. I mean, that—that that does 
make me happy, and I think I'm I'm able to maybe enjoy that in a different way because I'm not covering the team anymore. So you you were in the Yankee clubhouse for what seven years? So you built up a relationship with a lot of those guys. You go over to the Boston yeah, sure. clubhouse now, covering that team day to day. Those guys didn't know you. So what was that like trying to <laughs> trying to uh, build those relationships from scratch? It's an ongoing effort. I mean, you know, I I got the job right at the end of spring training. So my first day on the job was opening day. Um, and missing, <laughs> No pressure, missing, just go well, in there. Well, my, my first day covering the Yankees was uh, game one of the 09 Division Series. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, so before that, I've been, I was in Scranton and then, uh, and then moved over. So it's been sort of awkward timing on both of them. It, it's not having spring training. Spring training is so relaxed, and it's, it's a good time to sort of get to know people and meet them in a different environment. So I think that kind of getting to know people and, and, and trying to build some relationships, that's definitely a, a, a work in progress. You know, I mean, I'd say, you know, a guy like Pedroia, you know, when I met him, I explained to him why I moved and, and he was, he was great. I mean, you know, asking about the baby and all those things, it, you know, he's, he's been, been good to me. Most of these guys have been good to me. It's not, I don't, that part has been not all that different to be honest. I mean, it's, it's awkward. To now, I have to introduce myself to you know around a whole clubhouse um, is a little bit weird, but you know I mean I, I think I said before most guys that you meet in baseball are pretty good guys um, that are pretty easy to deal with. So that that part hasn't been a problem necessarily, but it's, it's definitely been different. You know, it is it is funny that I'll walk over to the Yankees clubhouse and feel much more at home. You know, and a lot of easier conversations. You know, saying hi to people and uh, that part's been different for sure. So is Pedroia the leader of that clubhouse? I know he's hurt right now, but with Ortiz yeah. gone, is he the guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, it's a weird dynamic. I, maybe this is just me not having a but strong of a feel for the clubhouse as I did in New York, but this one does feel more split in, not not out of animosity or anything, but just very more, more split between there's the pitchers and the hitters, you know. And every clubhouse is split a little bit like that, but I always felt like with the Yankees, you know, guys like CC and you go back to when Mariano was here and Pettit and, and even now with maybe Dellen, you know, there, there are some pitchers who are sort of also, I think, clubhouse leaders. Um, on the Red Sox side, it does feel like, you know, Price, Sale, Kimbrell, they kind of are the leaders of the pitching side. And a guy like Pedroia is, is I think sort of I would say he's more sort of like face of the franchise type leader. You know, I mean, I think he's the guy that people turn to. But you also see, I mean, the the way people in there interact with a guy like Xander Bogarts, I think that he's and even like Christian Vasquez, who's kind of their you know they kind of split catching. So I don't know which one you call the everyday guy, but Vasquez seems like a guy that other players really lean to and talk to a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, Pedroia for who he is and, and what he's done, I, he's certainly the face of the franchise right now. And, and I think he would be considered sort of the, the veteran guy that, that most guys in there sort of lean on and talk to a lot. Well, it's interesting what the Red Sox are going through because uh, sort of like the Yankees with a transition and so many young guys, Ortiz was mm-hmm. the face of that team and one of the two or three faces of baseball for a decade. So with yeah. him gone, like, is do you, I know you weren't there beforehand, so it might be hard for you to mm-hmm. say. But, I mean, there's got to be a giant hole in that clubhouse. Yeah, I think so. And I was really caught off guard early in the year. This, the Red Sox don't hit very many home runs. And and, and no one expected I, that. I mean, 
Right. I think that, you know, you knew that you'd lose Ortiz, so some, some power was maybe going to go down, but it seemed like they could still get power from a guy like Jimmy Ramirez or, you know, Mookie Betts has some pop. I mean, he's not the sort of prototypical power hitter, but he can, he can hit the ball out for sure. But the, that lack of power, I think, has been an issue for them. I mean, when they've, when they've had bad stretches, it's mostly because the offense has really struggled for a while. And a lot of that is, as, as you've seen, too, with the Yankees. The Yankees went through a period when a team's not hitting home runs, I think you, you like to think there's a way to you know, kind of romanticize the idea of manufacturing a run. But it's hard <laughs> it's to manufacture start. a run over and over and over again. Yep. You know? um, it's pretty easy to just hit the ball out. <laughs> that's, that's the surest way to get a, get a run on the board. Well, the Yankees are certainly doing that those, Yeah, right, for sure. And, and when, the, when the Red Sox have gone through stretches and they haven't scored, it always goes back to Ortiz, you know, not only from the media side, but as I was saying, it threw me off that Bogarts early in the year mentioned it. He was like, well, we don't have David. I was like, wow, I didn't, you, you know, you wouldn't think of one of the, the players want to say like, oh no, we're not thinking about that. Like we're moving on. And like, they acknowledge like, yeah, we don't have that guy who always did this for us. Um, and so, yeah, I think they are transitioning a little bit, but you're right too. In a lot of what the Yankees are doing now with this sort of youth movement that guys have gotten to this level, the Red Sox did some of that already, you know, with, with Fess and, and Bradley and Benintendi and Bogart. I mean, they've got some young guys who they've already put in these key roles, and, and now you're seeing the Yankees do it these last couple of years with, with Sanchez and Bird and Judge. I mean, these guys are, you know, getting a chance to play and, and doing a nice job with it. Uh, you mentioned Bogarts mentioned David by name that we that they don't have him. That's interesting, and I feel like Ortiz has been dangling a carrot, and I don't think he's serious that he's coming back. But like even with this yeah. tweet that Pedro had the other day, I, yeah. I mean I've joked that Ortiz is going to announce his uh, comeback on the day they're retiring his number. I mean I I honestly don't think that's going to happen. Although I guess I wouldn't be shocked. But uh, well, I think we think that because we live through Pettit. And you know, other like, sports with like Brett Favre and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but I think it's really rare. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think he's going to. And other the other writers here that I've gotten to talk to, like, they're all like, it's not going to. And but you know, some of that is just Ortiz's personality. I think I, I I don't at all expect it to happen. But yeah, I think you know, I mean, I I will never forget sitting down to lunch with Mark Carrig in spring training and Jack Curry tweets, Pettit is going to unretire and pitch this year. It's like. <laughs> What? What's <laughs> happening? Like, I mean, it was just, it was so bizarre. Like, you know. I, but yeah, I mean, so you do kind of. I guess you wonder a little bit. Like, you know, could he get the itch and come back and play for two months? I guess maybe, but I, but not at all something that I'm expecting. Yeah. So uh, part of I've heard a lot of rumors that uh, John Farrell's on the hot seat. I know he, the Red Sox are playing well now, but they were struggling to start. Yeah. And there was a lot of rumors flying around that like the players didn't like him and all that kind of stuff. What what are you seeing? I'm not asking you to comment specifically yeah. on what players have said, but like, what are your, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I well, I would say for one, I'm I'm probably in a poor position to have a great sense of that because I am newer, and and these guys, you know, I don't have you know years relationships with some of the players in the clubhouse to try to get you know their take on that. But I have not gotten that sense inside the clubhouse or even just around the team that fails truly on the hot seat. I think. A lot of that story, I mean, look, Ken Rosenthal wrote it, and there's not anyone in my industry who's better connected than Rosenthal. So certainly there's something to it. Um, but 
at the same time, they, you know, look, this team was built around the idea of this great rotation, and they just now got David Price back. They haven't had either of the guys who are supposed to be their main setup, and Carson Smith and Tyler Thornburg are both been on the DL all year, and and Farrell has done a good job of making this bullpen into a really good pen. And, you know, I mean, the lineup is what it is. I, I always think, you know, Farrell shuffled the lineup in Minnesota when they couldn't hit, and all of a sudden they had, you know, a couple of good games in a row, and it was another, like, oh, what a masterful job with the batting order. Like, I mean, <laughs> he's got, like, five really good hitters. He put those in the top five spots, like, in some order, and put the lesser guys at the bottom. Like, it, it's not rocket science. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, how, uh... the lineup is what it is. But I think he's done fine. I don't know. It's hard for me to have a great sense of like is Farrell really super popular in the clubhouse and all that stuff. I I don't. I know. I think it's pretty rare that you find a manager who is like beloved in the clubhouse. You know, it's, it, it is. They, I think they respect him. I think they go with what he what he wants. It's just you know, it's fine. It's uh, it, it's. I don't think it's an unusual relationship in there between player and manager. Yeah, some of the people get say, oh, how a manager fills out a lineup card. I mean, that only can go so far. I think there are things right. that managers do in the clubhouse that are definitely more important to the overall success of a season. Sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, well, like one thing I would think about with, with Girardi this year, where he just now moved, moved Judge into the number three spot, and I think you could argue, because of the way Judge has hit all year, that maybe he should have been hitting third all season. He might also be off to this start because Joe moved him up slowly. You know, it, I, I think it's, I think there are elements of that too, where you want to say like, "Oh, he meant to maximize it. This guy should have done it." Well, it, it, it's there, there's a there's an element of playing a game within the game where you're trying to give the guy confidence and put him in roles to succeed, and I think those things matter. And so, you know, as much as you can say, well, he, you know, he found this formula that has for Farrell with. Betts hitting leadoff and Bogart, even though he has one home run all year, hitting third, that's worked. And you can say, oh, what a stroke of genius by Farrell to think outside the box. Like, well, I mean, maybe. I, you know, <laughs> it's not that's not how he had it to begin with. But he knows those are good hitters. You put them in these spots, and it's working right now, so you go with it. You know, it's just – I think you're trying to play the clubhouse and get guys into roles where they feel comfortable, and that, that that's more important to me than getting hitters into exactly the right spot, you know. With uh, what Dombrowski did the last few offseasons, trading away a lot of their their young players for win-now players. I mean, not that – I mean, Sale's under team control, and he's still in the prime of his career, so that's not like trading for a 38-year-old veteran. But do you think sure. there's pressure on the Red Sox to win a World Series in, like, the next couple years? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was one of the first things that I had to do when I got this job was we – they want you know, just to – typical preview thing they had all of us who cover the Red Sox for the paper right like who do you think the player of the year who's the whatever and then it was who's on the hot seat and I put Dave Dombrowski because he clearly built this team to win sometime in the next three years like if this team doesn't win then all the maneuvering he's done in the last two years it will have been a failure I mean that's clearly he now thinks it's time to go you've heard I heard Cashman talk about it up team times in in the years I was covering the Yankees that you've got to choose when your team is one or two moves away and that's when you make the splash. I mean that's what they that's what the Yankees did going into 09. I mean they that's when they made all those moves and put those guys in place and they win a World Series. I, that's what the Red Sox have done 
these last two winters is that they felt like they had the pieces in place. You know, they graduated some guys from the system. Ben attendee was kind of the last piece from the system last year. And then they gutted the farm system of what they had left to get sale and Thornburg and whoever, I know, you know, try to make a run at this. Yeah. They there's, this team's supposed to win. I mean, that's, there's, there's nothing else to this. They're not building for something. This is, this is the group. I know, I know they still have a pretty high prospect at first base, but what about their pitching depth? Are there any guys in the minors that, that could potentially help this rotation? I know Price with the injury scare yeah, is, is right. definitely a concern, and they've had other injuries. Um, Wright uh, is out for the season, yeah. and, and, and Rodriguez just went on the DL, so they, they have issues with the starting rotation at the major league level. Yeah, they do, and, and that's a problem. That's a real problem. I mean, they're, they're going to call up Brian Johnson, who was a – you know, he's a first-round pick a few years ago, but he's only made three big league starts, I think. Um, you know, I mean, and he's been through some injuries and things, so it's kind of hard to get a full gauge on where he is. But beyond that, I mean, they needed a spot starter earlier in the year, and it was Kyle Kendrick. And not to knock Kyle Kendrick, but, I mean, there's a reason <laughs> that he hadn't, he wasn't in the big leagues at all last year. You know right. I mean? it was. But they don't – they have a kid, they have a guy named Hector Velasquez in AAA right now who also got a spot start this year this is his first year pitching outside of the Mexican league. Like they plucked this guy out of he's like 28, 29 years old and was a veteran of the Mexican league. And they just decided to give him an invite to big league camp because they're so desperate for short-term pitching depth. They have some pieces lower in the system. Um, but yeah, I think short-term depth is definitely the weakness of this team. And it's, and depth is an issue for them everywhere. I mean, all they, they're, their infield depth is pretty weak. Their outfield depth is pretty weak, and their pitching depth is pretty weak. They they seem they may have some bullpen pieces that that have started to emerge, but yeah, they're if, if they they're not built to sustain injuries. I mean, if if, they, if guys get hurt here, they're in real trouble. Well, that's kind of a classic Dombrowski team. Yeah. Oh, completely. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he he is he went on he sold out on star players in these big spots. And if that doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, they, they've already had, I think six starting third baseman because Pablo Sandoval shockingly got hurt. Um, <laughs> well, he's back. So, now. You know, yeah, he's back now. But you know, I mean, the guy they've mostly been playing at third is Devin Marrero who had no kidding. His OPS in triple A this year was in the three hundreds. OPS. <laughs> That's a pitcher level. Yeah. I mean, the guy, he's a hell of a fielder. So, you know, I mean, there's value there, and that's why they kept playing him, because he solidified the defense. But, man, your third baseman had an OPS in the 300 in AAA. It was was rough. But, I mean, that's what they're doing. That's what they're going for. I looked at the Paw Sox lineup one day a couple weeks ago, and it was when Price was starting and Sandoval was in the minors, Alan Craig, mm-hmm. Rusny Castillo. And the AAA payroll was like $90 million or something yeah, crazy. Right. Yeah, So. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing, too, with that. They've got so Craig and Rusny Castillo, they they DFA'd them, so they're they're off the 40-man. So those salaries right now are not counting toward the luxury tax. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so, that's, so there's zero chance those guys get called up, right? I mean, how much would have to go wrong for, <laughs> for that to be, you know what I mean? Like, even if Castillo starts playing great, if you bring him up, you're paying his salary, sure, already, but if you bring him up, then all of a sudden that counts towards the luxury tax, and you're going to have to pay more money to get him. It's a, it's a weird situation they've gotten themselves into. They basically have acknowledged that those contracts are 
sunk costs and they're off the 40. So <laughs> I you think, think they're just down in AAA to stay. Do you think that luxury tax maneuvering is anything to do with how, like, did John Henry, John Henry have a say in that? Do you think there was anything on his uh, mind where there's a, we've spent too much money and these guys stink? No, I mean, I think some of that's probably just Dombrowski knows what he's got and what yeah. he doesn't. You know, they, you know, they took a shot on Alan Craig in that trade. Um, they also brought on Joe Kelly and, you know, Craig has a foot injury and, and I mean, he just hasn't hit, you know, I mean, the guy was an all-star not that long ago and, and now he's, I mean, literally just DHing and kind of a yeah, he disappeared part-time player in AAA. Um, and then, yeah, Castillo is kind of who and what he is. You know, it's a, it's an interesting situation. Uh, the Red Sox, I mean, do, do you still think that, though, uh, they're starting to play uh, better? Do you think they're the favorite to win this division right now? Yeah. But I, I would say, too, though, that all those years, I never – I, I, I never believed in the Orioles. Even every year, <laughs> they somehow they always managed. Again, yeah, and I every year I'd be like, "Nah, there's no way." And so, <laughs> I mean, they may prove me wrong again. I, I, I still, but look, the Yankees. What strikes me about the Yankees is they kind of did this year what they did last year, but in the opposite way. Where last year it was. they're still going to be a good team and they're going to be a playoff contender, but they're just going to take the chance on that. It's only going to work if these veteran guys can still perform. And that was Alex. That was Teixeira. That was guys who did not perform. You know what I mean? They, they took a shot on older guys and if they performed, they were going to be good again. And they weren't this year. It was the opposite way. They can still be good and be a playoff team if these young guys can perform. And that's not just Judge and Sanchez and Bird. I mean, it's also guys like Jordan Montgomery, guys like Chad Green, you know, guys that they needed that, you know, look the guys who filled in this bullpen and made it pretty good. I mean, you know, they're taking a chance that that some of these pieces that I'm not positive going into the year that I would have thought they had enough pitching depth, especially in the rotation, to get through. But, look, they've been pretty good. I mean, and Chance Adams is doing what he's doing in AAA. I mean, that's... You know they're they're rolling the dice that these young guys can perform, and if the young guys if they're up a little too soon, or if they're not quite as good as they as the Yankees are hoping they are, then the Yankees will be in trouble. Um, you know, so I, the Yankees are kind of the more shoot the moon team to me. Where yeah. if, if Judge is this good and Bird comes back healthy and can produce, and Sanchez is what he is, and Montgomery keeps pitching like that, you know, they then they might as well be. The, the team to beat. Now, if Tanaka is going to keep pitching like he did last night, right. that's, that's, a, that's a problem. That's the ironic but part. Think, is he's think, the one that I might sink the upside, them. Yeah, how about that? Man, that's amazing. But yeah, I, I think on paper, the Red Sox are the best team in the division. But I don't know if they can stay healthy enough to actually make it work. Before we get you out of here, I saw Wally Matthews tweet that there's a media game tomorrow at Yankee Stadium. Is that true? There is. You playing? And... I'm not, and it's it's a very sad situation. Because well, one, I was pretty sure if I played, Bob Clappish was going to just throw a fastball right into my gut when I went up to hit because I was going to play for I was going to play for Boston this year. But my my wife and the baby are in New York with me, and my wife is taking some meetings during the day, and gotcha. so I'm I'm I have to I have chase my son uh, during the morning. I I told my wife 
I said, hey, hey this is great. The media game is on that Thursday. We're in New York. You and Chase can come to the game. It would be great. She said, Chad, I, I have meetings to do. I have to, I have to work. I said, well, yeah, but you could, you know, get out of those. And she said, you want me to cancel my work meeting so that you can play in a media game? I was like, kind of? Yeah. <laughs> so, hey, that, that I don't blame work. you. <laughs> no, so so I'll be uh, I'll be hanging out with with the boy tomorrow, which is which is perfectly fine with me. But uh, but yeah, so I'll, I'll miss this one. Hopefully, I'll, I'll play against these guys in you have, Fenway later in the year. You have played in them before, though, right? I have. Oh yeah, yeah. Does yeah. anyone get close to hitting it out? Yeah, uh, I, I've seen a guy hit one off the monster. Okay. Um, well, yeah, that's pretty good. Now it's it, yeah, it's pretty good. My. My pseudo claim to fame in these games is that I, my first game at Fenway, I hit an inside the park home run. Oh, there you, well, that yeah, might so be. Yeah, that was something. Were you out of breath? Not nothing. <laughs> oh, completely. I mean, yeah, it almost killed me. Were but there I, errors? Yeah, I hit a ball no kind of hard. The no, it was a, I mean, it, you know, it was a, it was a legitimate double. I hit a ball pretty good down the line into the right field corner. Right. But, you know, it's a bunch of sports writers chasing down the ball and trying to throw it around. So I scored on it, but. You know, I'll take it. <laughs> awesome. Well, Chad, thanks very much for joining us, and hopefully we can catch up with you later down the season. Yeah, it sounds great. No problem. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.